that it was sort of like the first time I'd ever seen like lots of different kinds of lesbians being represented on TV because it wasn't just a standard stereotypical one-time romance kiss between two women for the entertainment of a man. So I was kind of coming out to myself, but I wasn't out to anyone else. So it was a way of like being gay in a kind of safe way. And so the L word was just the best thing like that was around at the time for me. And it was just a way of like watching lesbians live their lives, like their drama filled, crazy lives. It was the first time that I saw lesbians that I didn't think were embarrassing. I mean, I grew up in a town where being gay was not in any way cool or chill. And then like all these women weren't embarrassing. They were really fucking cool. They really liked being gay. I, I remember having the thought being like, oh my God, lesbians are like really sexy. And welcome back to another episode of the TV That Changed Me podcast. I'm Beth Watson. And if you haven't figured it out yet from the enthusiastic band of queers at the top of this episode, today we're going to be talking about the L word. My name is Shivani Dalve. I use they them pronouns and I am one of the three producers of the Logbooks podcast, which is a podcast that sort of brings LGBTQ plus history in Britain alive. Um, we tell the untold stories of um, people who were alive and are alive from 1974 up until the present day through the archives of Switchboard, the LGBTQ plus charity, and the actual physical handwritten notes of the logbooks that were taken uh, throughout the history of the charity. We basically bring them to life um, by talking to people who were alive at the time and about what, what was going on for them and all of those little nitty gritty bits of history that you never get taught at school, but you really should. That kind of stuff. That's what we do. And it's pretty cool if I can say that about my own podcast. I think it's totally fair to be bigging up your own podcast if your podcast is the logbooks because it's a fucking good podcast. <laughs> yeah it's, it's all right I, I like to say that because um we we we've won awards but we've also lost awards and um we were nominated for this award in the same category as Louis Theroux and it ends up that like we didn't win and Louis Three didn't win. It was this other podcast that like I had never heard of by these people I'd never heard of who are probably like super, super famous and like I'm just really unaware culturally. And um, now I tell people that my podcast is as good as Louis Theroux's podcast because we both didn't win this award. <laughs> I love that. That's really, I absolutely love that. So today we're going to talk about the L word. We are. The infamous L word. Um, the infamous L word. Please, can you define the premise of the L word for anyone who might not have watched it? Uh, okay, hold on. I know the best way to do this. Um, just, just play some hold music or something here. Yeah, I will do. Um. Okay, this is how to encapsulate the whole of the L word. 
Um, I'm not going to sing it because <laughs> I'm not a singer. But girls in tight dresses who drag with moustaches, chicks driving fast. How do I say this word? Ingenues with long lashes. Brilliant. Women who long love lust. Women who give. This is the way. It's the way that we live. This is the best bit about it. Talking, laughing, loving, breathing, fighting, fucking, crying, drinking, riding, whining, losing, cheating, kissing, thinking, dreaming. This is the way, this is the way that we live. It's the way that we live and love. That's how you encapsulate the L word with the theme song. (laughs) It's much better when it's sung and... Um, yeah, and for anyone who hasn't heard the theme song, that bit kind of goes like, laughing, loving, something. Yeah, yeah. And you watch it when you're like 15 under the covers in your parents' house and you are trying to like tell yourself that you just really love gay rights and you're not actually gay. It's just you really believe in equality and you're under the covers in your parents' house and you're like, you can't see this as a podcast. I'm like pumping my hands to like the music because it's just like boom, 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 boom. And you don't know the words and you're like pretending that you do, like lip syncing along, trying not to make any sound because it's 3am and you don't want to out yourself. Like that's basically, I feel like, I hope everybody had that experience. I mean, you've just talked about the under the covers experience, but how did you find, how did you find the link or the DVD or whatever it was at the time? For me, it was definitely a link. Um, I I definitely, like, went on some dodgy website and downloaded some viruses to be able to watch The L Word. Was it worth it? Yes. Would I do it again? Yes. Um, I can't remember how old I was, but I remember there was a point in my life where I was like... um, It felt like a bit like a second adolescence. Um, It was in one of the periods of summer between uh like summer and going back to like autumn term and i was just like loads of the gay people i know have talked about this like all the gay women that i know have talked about this tv show and like it seems to be a bit of like a cultural staple and you know i'm a huge ally and this was like before I was out and I was just like, yeah, I definitely just like love gay rights. And, you know, maybe I should just watch this show. And then I watched the show and I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not just an ally. (laughs) There's definitely more to this. Um, it was probably because I couldn't work out if I wanted to fuck Shane or be Shane. And then um, as I watched more and more of it, it was because I, re- I realised that I wanted to be Shane because actually I wanted to fuck Carmen. Mm. And that was how I realised I was gay. Mm. And I think that's an amazing litmus test for anyone. <laughs> for anyone who's wondering about any of their feelings, literally, just watch the L word and you will have an idea of where you come down on the sexuality scale, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there was like that, there was that bit of representation of like a straight ally through Kit, who is um, mm. Bet's sister. Um, <laughs> the character you really identified with as an ally. Yeah, yeah and I was like, oh, look, allyship. Like, you know, you could be friends with all of these gay people and, and be an ally and like still be straight. And I was like, maybe that's me. Maybe I'm I'm the ally. And then I was like, 
uh, that probably lasted, that feeling probably lasted for like two and a half episodes. Yeah. Also, Kit ends up dating a queer person, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, that storyline, like, it wasn't one of the main ones, so I don't think they actually gave it too much depth. But I think Kit does end up dating queer person but she she was a great ally like (laughs) she was a great ally and and in in the way that I was a great ally and then came out maybe that's what Kit's journey was (laughs) maybe that is Kit's journey maybe so yeah for anyone who doesn't know Kit is the sister Half sister or sister of? Um... I think half sisters, but they're like, oh, we're totally sisters. There's like mm. a good relationship there. Yes, exactly. That kind of like it's all sister to me kind of vibe um, of Bet Porter, who is a very integral part of the L word. Um, and just to give a little extra explanation in case the theme song didn't do it, the L word is basically about a group of lesbians living in LA who are kind of all very wealthy. I would say predominantly, predominantly uh, they are predominantly wealthy. They are predominantly white. They are very thin in general. And it's all about the sort of intricacies and melodrama that goes on between them. It's a little bit like Friends, because everyone in the world has seen Friends. It's a little bit like Friends, but with lesbians and set in LA. That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. So when you were watching The L Word... Um, at 3am on a dodgy link what what do you think what do you think I mean obviously you got the litmus test about Shane but what carry what made you want to keep on watching why was it so important to you did it really help this realization of coming out it was so awful just like looking back on it like why did I spend so many hours watching it it's like it's a great tv show but also it's a bad tv show you know one of those ones a bit like Riverdale like you enjoy watching it but you're also like, why am I doing this to my brain? Um, it like it was the first show that I saw. I'm still probably like the only real show that I saw that had like representation of lesbians like just doing their thing, not necessarily being like their whole personality is about their sexuality. They had like all these like intricate fights and breakups and makeups and like. At one point, one of the main characters was, like, a massive, big tennis champ person. Um, And she was struggling with coming out, but, like, that wasn't her whole identity. And I feel like as many bad things as you can say about the L word, and there are a lot, because it wasn't the best TV show in terms of, like, how it was made. But, like, there was so many good things in the fact that, like, they just actually had rounded characters um, who had more to them than, like, wanting to sleep with someone of the same sex. That's true. That's true. Which, what kind of... Which of the characters would you say are sort of fleshed out the most? Like, what what are some examples of storylines that stick out that aren't to do with sexuality? Oh, my God, I loved Alice's character. Um, <laughs> Me too. Because she was just... She had so much personality and that... It was the kind of personality that I could relate to as well. Like, a lot of it was just, like, chaos. Mm. A lot of it was, like, Alice just not knowing what was going on in her life and, like, how to do anything in her life. And I was like... 
at the time I was watching it and I was like, oh yeah, same. And now I'm look- I'm thinking back on it and I'm like, oh my God, yeah, same. Like, does anybody ever know at what point they're going to get their life together? Because like, Alice definitely didn't. And that was quite nice. And also, like on the complete flip side, you had Bet, who basically had her whole life together from like pretty much the day she was conceived, it felt like, because she was just like completely sorted, knew exactly what was happening. And then the show allowed you to feel like Bet is that person in the friendship group who always has their shit together, is always doing well at their job, seems like their relationship is perfect, all of that stuff. Every friendship group has got that person. But then the show had, like, this really good ability to be able to be like, actually, she's as chaotic as the rest of them. It's just, like, different people cope with things in different ways and different people put different energy out in the world in different ways, and that's what you can see. But really, they're all just screwed up as each other. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting you mentioned them as a friendship group. I think that's so important. Like for me, I definitely came I came to it a slightly different time in that I was kind of realizing that I was attracted to well, no, everyone comes to the L word when they realize they're attracted to women. Um but I was I was kind of realizing and coming out as bi and that kind of stuff. And I kept dating girls who were like you basically can't be be up to this unless you've watched the L word. Um There was a lot of that when I was yeah, so there was so much of that and it's like I think that playing in because I'm bi as well and like with that being bi and with people saying oh you can't really be gay unless you've watched the L word that really bugs me because like I'm not gay I'm bi I'm like 100% bi Mm. but I feel like the L word like also is representative of bi culture not just gay culture so it's like gay plus when I say gay I mean like gay plus because it's gay plus bi Yeah. yeah Exactly. It's, I, and the treatment of bisexuals on the L word is not necessarily so kind either, you might say. There's definitely Tina gets with a man for a while and then as soon as she stops getting with the man, they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, and when she, when, when she gets with the man, what's great is that there was this whole like thing of, oh, she's confused. Because Tina, if you haven't seen it, Tina and Bet were dating and they were like this sturdy relationship through the whole show and then they break up for a little bit. And no spoilers, but they do get back together. It's a lesbian TV show, of course they get back together. Um, They, like, yeah, Tina breaks up with Bet and, like, goes off with this guy. And then everyone's like, oh, it's just a phase. She's, like, gone straight for a phase. They are not happy with Tina when she gets with a boy. No, it's, like, the, the disappointment that everyone's, like, really worried about when they come out, like, from their friends and their family. Everyone's, like, got this anxious worry that they're going to be disappointing their friends and their family by saying, oh, I'm gay or I'm bi or I'm trans or whatever. It's, like, that, but it's that disappointment. But, like, the, the gay friendship group is, like, disappointed that she's straight, but she's not straight. She's just bi. It's... They didn't deal with bisexuality very well, did they? But I kind of, yeah, so my point actually was about, um, you mentioned friendship groups and gay friendship groups. And for me, when I came to it, um, just kind of like realizing I was bi, I was, the thing that struck me the most was like, wow, these are all gay women who are friends with each other and who have this little community of like queer people, which was, that for me was the most shocking part and the most like intriguing and like, that's what kept me watching the entire thing. <laughs> Thanks, hundreds of hours of programming. Um, because I had only ever had like one or two gay friends at a time. So I was really interested in this community of it. Did that strike you as well? 
Yeah. Um, like, I always, regardless of, like, gay friends or straight friends or, or however people wanted to, like, label categories of friends, I never really had, like, a solid friendship group that was all because, like, we all had the same sexuality or the same gender identity or anything like that. So, like, I've got lots of different friends in sort of what I call lots of different groups that I know through various different things in in my life. But any sort of group of friends that I have, it's not, like, because we're all gay. Like, I don't... I don't know if other people do, and they probably do, but I don't have this, like, little group of gay friends and we just do go... We go and do, like, gay things together and we just, like... I don't know. I don't have that. And I watching that, I was like, oh, maybe this is what it's like. Like, maybe when I have my... When I come out and I, like, have my gay friends, we'll all go to, like, gay bars together and we'll all do this and that together. But it hasn't happened. And, like, to be honest, I kind of prefer it my way because you get all these different people experiencing like life together and you get loads of different perspectives and um like I don't know yeah I thought it would be a bit more like the L word but it life is very rarely like a tv show (laughs) I think that's a really good point and I think something that should be said to all queers who are going to embark on the L word is like life isn't like a tv show but life is definitely not like the L word either like (laughs) There are, there are more similar TV shows to life than The L Word. The L Word is ridiculous. First of all, I'm not that skinny, I'm not that white, and I'm not that rich. Mm. So I'm already living in, like, a different league from these people. But it was really nice to see, like, a part of that ident- that part of my identity be represented on TV. Yeah, I, somewhat, I heard someone describe them as high-fashion lesbians, which was my favourite, my favourite thing I've heard so far about the characters on The L Word. Although they are meant to be really fashionable, right? And But then, like, at one point in... I think it's, like, season three or season four, Shane, who is the, like, only person who is remotely masculine... Like, a the only remotely, like, masculine lesbian in the show, ends up, like, somehow owning slash running a skateboard shop, skate park slash hairdressers. Uh, and that. it's just, like... Okay, and then you, Shane's meant to be, like, this really cool skater, like, butch, dyke-type person, and then just, like, isn't? Like, there's, there's like, this this disconnect between, like, everything Shane does and represents and then, like, how Shane is portrayed as the character. It's, I don't know, it's very weird. But there is not a lot about that show that is high fashion if you look at it, like, with today's lens on. No, I think of the time high fashion. Yeah, like, Like 90s. Yeah, yeah. Bet Bet was the only one who was sort of, like, timelessly stylish, though, I would say. Mm. It's the rest of them that didn't have great fashion. No, definitely not. There's a lot of um, Shane's hair. (laughs) Shane's hair. That's what I was trying to say when I was, like, alluding to this, like, hair salon studio place in the skate park like Shane's hair is a very special kind of bird's nest sculpture um that I would personally find a bit disconcerting on a hairdresser but each to their own (laughs) I don't know it kind of looked a little bit like skate Shane had been skateboarding while cutting her own hair and that is why her hair looked like that. 
It was a very bad hairstyle. It was a terrible hairstyle. And it seemed to get more ridiculous as the series went on. Like season But one... do you think they do you think they, they knew that? Do you think that they were like, oh, this is the thing that we're gonna do? Like people are saying they hate Shane's hair, so we're gonna go hard on it. We're gonna go bigger. I think they did, and I think they probably influenced some very terrible choices among like queer women in the in the noughties. But to be honest, all of the fashion from the noughties could just be like locked in a vault and never looked at again. Yeah, for sure. The halter neck tops and the sort of like low rise trousers. Oh, the low rise trousers. No, they're not flattering anybody. I don't know why they were a thing. I was really into them and I've got like the longest torso and for me that's just like the worst thing and if someone was going to design like what outfit will make you look weirdest it would have been low rise trousers yeah not not the best cycling back a bit to the um the fact that Shane is the only sort of masculine character for me I think because I did come to the L word when I was like 21 so I had a bit more of like a world view at that point I think that was the biggest shock for me I was like oh these aren't like it was kind of like these aren't lesbians <laughs> like which is obviously really bad and femophobic. Yeah. but um like I think I was like what these aren't like the lesbians that I know and that I'm going out with and meeting and stuff like that like it really felt very it's very very fun what, yeah what, what do you think about that as a representation of queer women I think that there is, like, a lot of femphobia, um, which, like, is often represented in the media. In, so maybe they were trying to make a point of, like, fem, fem lesbians are lesbians and they can be perceived as femme but still be equally valid as lesbians. Um, but just in terms of, like, reality of, like, what I know to be, like, a night out, like in in the one lesbian bar in London, um, a night out there is not representative of the night out that you see in uh, the L word. And that might be because it's like a different scene. Like, I don't know, maybe lesbians are more femme in LA. Maybe that's just like the culture and that's more representative of the people that you would see in a gay bar in LA. But like, in my experience, it's not that and like it's so much more diverse it's not even like you know butch and femme or like mask and femme it's like there's a whole range like it's such a spectrum of the way people express themselves in these lesbian spaces and like often are inclusive of non-binary people as well like myself like I just think that there's like so much more that the L word doesn't dig into. And there there was a trans man, um, Max, who was a character in the show for a few seasons. He wasn't like one of the main core characters and he wasn't sort of there at the start. But I think their representation of Max was awful. Mm. Um, they They sort of showed him to be like this angry man who like was a little bit like verbally abusive and a bit of a pig and as soon as he basically st- so when he when he starts going on tea or testosterone in the show he basically becomes like um a bit of a lazy guy bro person who just sits around the house and like lifts heavy things all the time and like is like awful and and really mean and at the start before max comes out to us as trans 
um, as in comes out to us, as in uh, the characters and the audience, Max is so sweet and so lovely and the nicest person and so uh, devoted in the relationship that they're in. And it's a complete personality flip because, I, I don't know, when the writers wrote in uh, Max is, is trans, they decided to write in that trans somehow meant that Max had to have, like, a complete personality switch, which, mm. I, I mean, makes no sense because um, it's a lot of it is sort of, I think, based around the fact that, you know, Max is now taking testosterone, which means he's, like, amped up and angry. and But Max is also experiencing, like, gender euphoria, and that's never really explored. Like, the positive aspects of being trans were never explored. And also, like, the world that Max was living in um, was pretty inclusive. There was a lot of support for him. There, there were some tough times as well, but there was a lot of support for him along the way. So you would like to think that there'd be space for Max to also be happy. And it just felt like as soon as Max came out, the writers were like, ah, well, you're going to be angry and moody all the time and there's no happiness for you. And is that even a common misconception about people who start taking testosterone? Like, I've never even heard that as a stereotype. It just feels almost completely fabricated. I think it is fabricated, but I think it's what based on one of those stupid like pop sciencey. Oh, when you, when when for example, if the if the example is made with like teenage boys who have testosterone, they get a bit like teenage boyy, you know, like all of that stuff. I don't know the words to describe it. It's like that's the perfect sound. It doesn't need. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know when they like start getting a little bit like aggressive and they start going like, oh mom, like I hate you, like all of that stuff. Um, I think that is what they're trying to replicate, but like in a fully grown adult who is like just trying to live their life. And I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. But from what I've seen, um, that is not what happens. And the thing about the L word is like, a lot of it is very unrealistic. So why would we expect their representation of a trans man to be realistic? Something we talk about a lot on this podcast um, is when you've got someone who's got a really narrow worldview, like she Eileen, the woman who created Eileen Chaikin, who invented the L word. Invented <laughs> like she's Thomas Edison. Who invented the L word? <laughs> there was a few. There were a few people, but yeah. It looks like um, Eileen, but without the word, just different spelling from the way British people spell it. So I'm not sure yeah. how it's pronounced. But um, when you've got someone with a creator of a show who's got a really narrow worldview, people are always and they create a show which has a narrow worldview as well so a lot of this conversation we had when we talked about Fleabag when we talked about girls when we talk about friends it's like okay so that's a really narrow worldview people are like oh it should have been more diverse yes it should have been more diverse but how disastrous would it be to have Phoebe Waller-Bridge talking about like you know like a young black girl from like Brixton or whatever it would and so I think almost the L word then the flip side of that is like why are they the only people making TV um the L word is maybe a bit of an epitome of that it's like how disastrous was it when they introduced this trans man character who they knew nothing about and tried to impose their own thoughts and feelings about what might this journey might look like yeah, it was one of those things that was like, they tried. They, and, and I think you can say, like, 
for all the faults of the L word, you can say that they did try to make it uh, inclusive show. I mean, the, a lot of the inclusivity feels very tokenistic um, in terms of like race, uh, gender, sexuality. Like they weren't doing it in the best way, but you can see that like they had sat down and sort of said, right, we don't have any bisexual characters. Let's explore bisexuality for this season. And they did a terrible job of it, but it felt like that they were trying to at least have a conversation. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it it probably needs to come, those stories probably need to come from somebody who's experienced those things. Um, and that can only happen with, like, you know, more more people feeling like they are sort of confident within themselves to be able to take that step into wanting to write for TV or make TV or whatever, but then also, like, being able to have a support system around them to actually be able to let them get to the point where they would be able to make TV, whether that's writing or producing or directing or whatever. Um, Because, like, coming from the audio world, that is incredibly hard to do if you don't have connections and if you don't have, you know... um, well, a lot of the time, money. Um, So I can imagine it's pretty similar with TV in terms of connections and also, like, money. Like, unpaid internships are a huge thing that sort of make this industry run, Um, which is ridiculous because it just completely cuts out a whole range of people who have life experiences that people like the commissioners and the big bosses are saying, we want to see more of that. We want to see all of these stories that we don't normally get to tell but you can't really see them in a representative way unless you get the people who are living those lives to tell those stories. So then what you end up with is, like, really bad portrayals of, say, for example, trans men, like in The L Word. Um, And, like, it's all well and good to say, well, oh, well, they tried, but, like... they And they did, but it also wasn't good enough, and I think it should be used as an example as to why we should actually get authentic voices to speak about their experiences. And you can tell the difference between a show where it's been written by somebody from a certain community and a show where it's like just someone's just thought well I'll have a go (laughs) yeah like I mean like as much as Phoebe Waller-Bridge couldn't write my life experiences as a character in one of her tv shows I probably would like have a tough time trying to write a character of Phoebe Waller-Bridge like those just aren't the experiences that I've had in my life and I'm looking at it through the lens of how I see things and she obviously sees herself and her community in a very different way to how I would see them so it works both ways it's just like the people who have all the money seem to be the ones that get to be able to do the telling of the stories as opposed to the people who might not have that connection or that ability and I think that's such an important point, an important point, an important point, because people often say like, oh, we need more writers of colour, we need more queer writers, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, unless those people have the funds and the economic security to do these creative jobs, that's not going to happen. Um, and so, and it's like, we don't have a system where you can, like a lot of people got into the creative industries in the 80s and 90s because they were able to go on the dole and it's like that's not really the situation we're in now with the benefit system in the UK so like who finances a creative career your parents so you have to have wealthy parents in order to do like some of these jobs 
But back to the L word. But anyway. Generation, Generation Q, you can definitely see that they stepped it up a level. Yes, that was so, going to be my next question anyway. Yeah, so Generation Q is the reboot of the L word. Where there were some of the main characters, some of the original cast, the fan favourites, I would say, Bet, um, Tina's in it a little bit, Shane, the hottie, and fancy Shane so much. <laughs> everyone fancy Shane so much. That's okay. We'll start a support group for Shane fanciers. Um, there was that scene in Generation Q where Shane's like in a vest top and boxing and like, oh, mwah, chef kiss. Um, and then Alice as well, another fan favorite. Alice, who is basically like taken her YouTube vlog. This is the sort of character development in the sort of hiatus period of the L word. Alice has taken a blog that she had on YouTube and become like a na- like late night, no, maybe a mid morning national television host. Mm. And just like some, and like as somebody who sees like shows getting commissioned and stuff all the time, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Mm. Yeah, she kind of becomes the Ellen DeGeneres of. Um... Of the show, I guess. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. It's just a bit weird, isn't it? She just somehow manages to have this show and then she's like battling for her show because they're trying to take it away from her. It's very bizarre. They're trying to take it away from her and they're also having a bit of a Barney because she is, um, she wants to have serious people on her mid-morning talk show and she wants to be taken seriously as a daytime TV host and they want her to do like ice bucket challenge kind of features. Yeah, they want her to be like Ellen, but she wants to be like Victoria Derbyshire. That's exactly, you've nailed it. That's exactly the problem, isn't it? (laughs) She's like, I'm trying to be more like Victoria. And they're like, no, do some dancing while you walk in. Yeah. Um, What else do they get right in Generation Q? Because it's a whole different setup, isn't it? You've got, um, so you've got a few characters from the original series and then you've got the whole host of new characters. Do you want to kind of talk about them a little bit? Yeah, the new characters are way better because there's like ethnic diversity there's gender diversity um i'm there's there's like religious aspects as well that come into it a little bit as well um there's an actual good portrayal of a trans man Mm. from from like what i've i mean i'm not claiming to be the expert on it but like from what i've understood from talking to people and like engaging in these conversations there is a trans male character that is actually pretty good representation um and he's probably like the sweetheart of the series i would say which um, um which character is that one he is is it mika you're talking about that's not his character name sorry my girlfriend's trying to um <laughs> uh chime in yeah I'm trying to remember. Because as much as I love the L word, I don't actually remember every single uh, character. No, that's totally fine. So Mika was the housemate. Oh, it might have been him. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, they all lived together and then he had that boyfriend who had a boyfriend. 
Yeah, the really hot boyfriend who was like really cool and like had a six pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mika. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's really interesting that you think that's. I think really great character because they're more fleshed out. He's cool. He's a housemate. He is a sweetheart. He's definitely not aggressive or anything like Max. Yeah, but I do think his story isn't really fleshed out the way the other characters are. Yeah, no, uh, I totally agree. I think I think it's better representation of a trans man, like a trans man, like obviously not every trans man has this experience, but he, it's, if I think if you're going to have one character in a TV show and they are like a different character, like a, they have a different characteristic to the rest of the, the cast and they are the evil one or they're the mean one or they're the bad one, then you're not doing a great thing in terms of representation there. But if you have a whole TV show about lesbians and then there's this one lesbian who's evil, that's a bit more representative. That's like Jenny Schechter. I was just in, about to say that's Jenny Schechter. <laughs> right? That's, that's fine. But like when you've got the one trans character and that is the only representation of trans people you have and they are horrible then that's like, I don't feel like you're doing justice to that whole group of people who might identify with that character for other reasons. Yeah, and especially, I think especially with trans representation, because if gay and lesbian representation was minimal in the noughties, trans representation was like close to non-existent. So you have a bit of a duty to be better at that. Yeah, yeah, but... I think the representation in Gen Q is a little bit better. It does get better. Um, but the character is not, is again, not like, there's no real backstory. Mm. There's no real, like, basically, it's a little bit like when he's not in the scene, his life, like, doesn't really continue mm. as a character. And then he comes back in the scene and he's like, sort of a vehicle there for them to sort of share their world but like the way it's written he doesn't really have like much else going on apart from listening to these people tell them their problems mm. yeah and that's um, a fair that's a fair assessment i guess the other argument is you could say which is maybe a little bit controversial is it's supposed to be a show about lesbians so why flesh out this other character but is it supposed to be a show about lesbians? Because you've got bisexual people in there as well. And they have straight people in there. So... <laughs> That's true. There is straight... Yeah, there, there are straight people in there. So it's definitely not a show just about lesbians. Yeah, no, it's not. It's definitely not. It's just called The L Word, which would make you maybe go down that path, isn't it? Yeah, but I think with The L Word, like, there is so much more to being a lesbian than like just the word lesbian and I think that is what the L word should be trying to explain to people there's I think that's a really that's a really good assessment as well there are just like that's gonna be the like little soundbite thing that goes on twitter isn't it like there's more to being a lesbian than just being a lesbian like that's I don't even know what that means, but it feels quite profound. It my, felt my... profound, and when you said it, I was like, oh, I'll put that as the soundbite for Twitter. My girlfriend's a lesbian, and she's nodding in the corner. She's now hiding her face, but she's like, yeah, there is more to being a lesbian than just being a lesbian. She's like, I think... she, you can get her on if you want, and get her to unpack that if you like. She will not do that. <laughs> she is... 
Like... I always, I always tell her that, like, people are going to start to think that she's not real. Because, you know, when you're at school and there's always that kid who's like, oh, yeah, I've got a girlfriend. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, who is it? And they're like, oh, she goes to a different school. <laughs> yeah. Like, I met them on holiday. You don't know. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. My girlfriend, like, is not on the internet. Like, no Twitter, no Instagram. Like, will never be part of any of my, like, audio, radio, podcasty projects. She's just like, no, that's like, that's your work. Go do it. And I'll like, I'll come for a walk with you later when we're allowed to do our daily exercise. Um, but I'm starting to think people are going to be like, I don't think your girlfriend exists. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it for now. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> trusting me. I do trust you. I do. All right, well, let's keep on about the other characters in Generation Q because then you've also got, so you've got Finley. Yes. I there was a lot of um there was a lot of sort of split opinions about Finley, I think. So you know how we were just complaining that like Mika isn't really fleshed out as a character? Mm. I think Finley is too fleshed out. <laughs> Why? Finley has Finley has way too much going on. Like dude, like there's just a lot. It's just really intense. I just need Finley to back up a little bit. Chaos is the only way I can describe Finley. Like a tornado just like hurling through the set of the L Word Generation Q. I think Finley is deeply annoying at the beginning when uh, she's kind of harassing Shane to live with her. That's annoying. That was a bit much. And then yes. when the kind of love spoiler alert everybody when the sort of love interesting develops with the person whose name i've forgotten yes sophie 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 yes when the love in when the love uh story sort of gets formed with sophie i fell in love with finley that's when i had the app i was like wow actually i really see this yeah okay like yeah that was kind of sweet, but also, I don't know if that's, like, very realistic. <gasps> Why not? I don't want to ruin your hopes on it if, like, you really enjoy it, but... No, no, go ahead. You can, can dash my hopes and dreams as much as like, you like. One minute, one minute Finley was, like, in love with the church person, mm. and then, like, the next minute Finley's in love with Sophie, and... Sophie's gonna get married and like completely in love with Danny and then is like actually no I won't get married to you because I'm now like in love with Finley who mm. I've shown zero interest in up until like this very minute but they were busy mates and they were housemates I saw it I saw it. <laughs> yeah but I think that's bad for representation of two lesbians can be friends and not want to have sex with each other and I think that is possible and I've never seen it to be true I've seen it no I know and actually now if I say that I'll get like I'm trying of my lesbian friends sexing me like you want to have sex with me yeah I've, <laughs> I've just said I've said I've seen it and then I thought about all of the friends who I know who've like hooked up with each other and like so yeah it's probably about 50 50 <laughs> I'm gonna say seventy-five, twenty-five. Which way though? Uh, wanting to sleep with each other all the time, friends. 
No. No. Okay. I would say the other way around. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So we don't want to be like, we don't want Generation Q to be spreading salacious misinformation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's misinformation. It's irresponsible journalism. It is a documentary, right? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a documentary. No, but it's really good. And also, back to the portrayal of trans characters in Generation Q, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much more trans represent- representation. There is a very small role, but I think he's in every episode, and he is Bet's campaign manager. Yes. And yeah. he's a trans man. And with him, he's a very out and proud trans character, a trans actor who is very vocal about being a trans man. And what I think is really good about his character is the fact that that's not necessarily any part of his identity. Like, unless you knew anything about the actor, you wouldn't know that about the character, Um, which I think is quite good because it goes into that whole thing of, like, not everything is about... There's more to being a trans man than being a trans man. Like, there is more to being a lesbian than being a lesbian. I think that was quite good representation. So, actually, on reflection, it wasn't the best, but it was getting a lot better in terms of trans representation. Yeah, I I really think they took on a lot of criticism of the first iteration. Yeah, the first, yeah. And um, I think they took a lot on board. And there are some some really interesting storylines. And the the campaign manager that you mentioned, that's something that a lot of trans people as far as I'm aware are campaigning and hoping for it's that a character can be trans in a tv show and it doesn't have to be the be all and end all of that character's journey. yeah because actually like thinking about it I can't I, I've only watched a series once so there might have been more said and I watched it as soon as it came out so there might be gaps in my memory but as far as I remember there was nothing to indicate that character's sexuality gender identity like we didn't know if he's married we didn't know if he's gay we didn't know like anything about him apart from like that he just really wanted to do a good job on the campaign (laughs) and like so there is that whole thing about like trans people being able to play trans characters which I fully support and agree with but also like for all we know this character could have been straight could have been like he could have been playing a cis straight man Mm. and we just didn't know anything about this person this character's like backstory Mm. to the point where like it could be anyone which is great like why can't a trans man play a straight man or a cis man or like you know that is sort of like i mean if 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 cis people are going to be playing trans characters we we may as well start taking their roles. Yeah, I yeah, that was exactly what I was about to say as well. I think that sort of representation of like a trans character just doing their thing as the character and like how the character would be doing it is so much better than like the way that a lot of representation in the past has been, which is like usually trans people being exposed to violence, which is just horrible and heartbreaking to watch like if you're trans like people watch tv and movies and stuff for a bit of escapism they don't really want to watch hate crimes happening and i think like act like 
So I don't normally go around and, like, do... Like, I'm not, like, walking around the street being like, oh, hi, I would like to get a coffee. By the way, I'm bisexual and non-binary. Like, nice to meet you. Like, that's just not part of who I am. Like, it's just not there. Mm. Like, it, it's weird for people to behave like that. It's unusual for people to just walk around being like, hello, I'm going to go read a book now. But I'm a lesbian reading a book. Like, just people don't operate like that. So why do they do that in TV shows to make it, like, super clear that, like, somebody is trans or gay or bi or whatever? Like, those are the kinds of things that, like, with good writing, with good TV, that can just happen authentically rather than, like, everyone just sort of, like being forced to sort of wear everything about themselves on their sleeves because the writers haven't got the time or the patience or the ability to, like, actually write a well-rounded character who has personality and has, like, intricacy to them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's show, don't tell, isn't it? It's like, show us that this character is complex rather than telling us that they are gay, they are trans, etc., etc. It's like, that's why I don't like so many of those, um, like... I mean, don't get me wrong, I still watch all of them. But, like, those, like, teenage coming-of-age, like... I'm just a regular school kid who loves school and my parents and my friends living in America in a small town. I'm just a regular kid. But one big secret that nobody knows? I'm gay. Like, those kinds of, like... Oh... But that's also a bit what's good about the L word as well is that it's not a coming out story, which is so common. Like, I feel like so many TV shows. Yeah, TV shows are about the coming out journey and films. It's much more about films. They're always coming out films. And so I think what's nice about the L word is they're pretty much all out. They're kind of past that stage. And yeah. in that way, it was a bit revolutionary, maybe. Yeah, I think what they need to start doing with TV, and I would love to see, like a big wig commissioner like listen to this and then actually take this idea and roll with it and then maybe give me 10% commission based on whatever they make um, 10% come on lobby for more 50 <laughs> 80% <laughs> um would be like a tv show where it is assumed that everybody is gay or gender non-conforming or both until they have to like come out as not being that way mm. that would be that, like, straight people make their sexuality, they should make their sexuality part of their personality, not the other way around, you know? That should be their whole identity in a TV show, not the other way around. We're, like, the interesting people. I love that, but is that kind of like a dystopia where it's, like, everyone is gay until they say they're not? Like, everyone has to come out as straight. Is it sort of like a noughts and crosses, but for queers? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't actually... I just think that, like, we shouldn't really have to be at a point where we have to have these questions. Like, on a serious note, I don't think... It would be really nice to live in a world where, like, you could have gay characters who are, like... Who it's known to the audience is gay and then, like, not necessarily made a whole big thing of it. Mm. Because, like, realistically no one operates like that. Like, when they're like, oh, I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay. Like, no one really does that. Like, sometimes I wear, like, a T-shirt that's, like, dyke. But that's, like, that's only for family events, you know? <laughs> that's only to funerals, after all. That's, yeah. <laughs> funerals of homophobes. 
but they they just I think they just needs to be better stuff for it. Um, like I don't know. There's that whole there's that constant thing of like every once you're out you have to constantly keep coming out to other people and new people that you meet, which is true, and like something that I experience on a daily basis. But then at the same time, I would say that like a huge part like I'm constantly coming out but then a huge part of me is the fact that I'm not like that's not that's not the whole of me mm. I don't really know how to explain it I guess it's a bit of an oxymoron yeah I mean it's true it's like we we do often have to come out over and over again but it's like it's not such a big item on my to-do list oh I'm coming out to the taxi driver again it's not like a huge part yeah. of my life or my day yeah it's like it's like blinking it just happens mm. whereas like it's yeah it's like a part of the day it's not necessarily the main event no no yeah if it was traumatic or if they were like aggressive about it that would be quite an event and i'd be upset but it wouldn't be but yeah I, the thing i find most actually is when you come out to a stranger is they 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 don't they don't understand like I've had so many times where I've talked about like my girlfriend to like a taxi driver or a person on the phone or like a shopkeeper and they've just been like oh so nice you're doing that with your friend and I'm like okay cool like that seems to be the reaction more than like an aggressive reaction is what I've noticed. yeah so is there anything more that you wanted to bring up about the L word while we're here if they are looking for a South Asian non-binary character with a British accent I'm available (laughs) amazing amazing that's probably it and um if you were a character on the L word who would you want to be written into your love story I feel like you know the answer to that Shane yeah and that would be groundbreaking because Shane is always with like incredibly femme people so it would be like a little bit are you saying I'm not femme oh oh my god like how dare I impose anything on you I mean like look at my really well manicured nails no I'm not femme um do femme people still get their nails done I don't know I don't know because I used to be more femme and I never did nails I I just had like little boy hands yeah so not sure about that but that would be great I would definitely like that and that's our show thank you so much for listening and a huge thanks to Shivani Dave for coming on you can find the logbooks podcast wherever you get your podcasts and you can also find Shivani presenting the Guardian Science Weekly podcast because they're also a blooming physicist can you believe it our music was produced by the beautiful person that is Iora Music. Check her out on Spotify. She's got some new songs out. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at TV Change Me on Instagram and at TV Change Me Pod on Twitter. And please subscribe. And I would be so grateful if you would leave us just one teensy kind review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I think that's everything. Cheers, babes. Bye.